The following production is part of the Play Some Video Games Podcast Network. Welcome to Board with Video Games, the gaming podcast that strives for the right balance of coverage for games you play on your table and on your television. You could think of us as the silver and gold of gaming podcasts. We're a proud member of the PSVG Podcast Network and thrilled to be part of the Dice Tower Network as well. I'm one of your hosts, Kyle, and joining me on this co-op adventure, the guy who never lets his marshmallow burn, Josh, how are you doing? I'm confused. I know. See, this is what happens (laughs) when... We change up all of our recording things. I had written these show notes and I had put everything together and got everything put together. And then I realized that I messed this part up, but I said, you know what? We're going to leave it. We're going to go with it. I made a mistake here, but it's okay. It's a new day. It's a new year. It's a, it's a new beginning in the board with video games. So we're going to have a, an awkward beginning to start with. Seem good. Did you, did you notice that you didn't fix it while you were reading it, or did you know earlier and just didn't change no, it? No, I knew earlier today that I didn't that I had messed it up, and I was like, I'm just going to okay. leave it. It's just going to be right. the authentic experience of what this podcast is. So there's no connection to silver and gold and marshmallow burning. Correct. What I had done is I had said, okay, for episode 106, the, the pairing I was going to do was going to be campfires and marshmallows. Nice. So that's where. Okay. So I changed the marshmallow burn part, but I forgot to change the earlier part. And I said, you know what? <laughs> We're just gonna let people inside on the show, and this is what right. happens. Cool. Okay. Well, I- I'm doing. Besides confused, I'm doing well. I am currently enjoying a full glass of champagne <laughs> in a Guinness glass, no doubt. <laughs> From our anniversary uh, last week, which I don't. There's no. I don't. She won't drink it because it's too bubbly. It's just sitting in my fridge it's just gonna sit there forever and i drank all my beer yesterday so i figure there you go we're celebrating our new schedule together and i'm drinking that seems good a glass of champagne you're drinking <laughs> champagne i'm drinking coffee at seven something at night that seems great <laughs> yeah it's nice i'm celebrating the holiday that's what i'm doing there you go and you know a little bit of a new schedule we talked about last week how board with video games will be now releasing on tuesdays but uh, we're actually releasing this show on Monday to help out our good friends at Play Some Video Games, the PSVG uh, flagship podcast. They had some issues getting their recording done. So we are going to actually record on or release on Monday this week. So if you're listening on Monday and saying, hey, I thought you guys were recording or releasing on Tuesdays now. Uh, yeah, we will be in the future. We're just switching days this week to help out PSVG. Uh, and making sure we get you a new podcast every day of the week, like PSVG typically does. So I think I figured out why they had recording issues. Because Kevin has Justin on as a guest. Yes. But he realized he had to pre-record the other uh, Justin's audio. So when he records with Caroline, he can also be there for that episode. Yeah, something like that. So he can't be in two places at once. Correct. Being two people. Right. So he has to pre-record that I know. Audio. It's very interesting, you know, <laughs> that, oh, yeah, we're going to have a guest. Justin's going to be here. And then 
oh, look, yeah, Justin had something come up, so we had to change things, and now we're all going to be separate. <laughs> yeah, we get it, Josh. <laughs> that happened last time. That's oh, okay. You called him Josh. and Yeah, I did. Just did. Cause I was looking, <laughs> that's the hard part, is I'm looking at you while I'm recording, so everyone I want to call Josh. The hard part is looking at me. I agree. <laughs> that is not the hard part. Oh, man. So it sounds like recording on Sunday nights is going to be an adventure. So, <laughs> dear yes. listener... We'll, we'll see how this all goes, but we'll jump into things here. As always, thanks so much for joining us this week. If you have any feedback, questions, or suggested topics, like, hey, stay on topic, feel free to reach out <laughs> to us at Board with VG on Twitter or check out the Instagram, also Board with VG. Uh, we are a proud part of Play Some Video Games, and PSVG is on Patreon. Uh, we're absolutely thrilled with the support you have given us there thus far, and if you'd like to monetarily support what we do, you can find us at patreon.com slash PSVG. But the most important thing is just that you listen and maybe share what we do with someone who you think might enjoy the show. And we are a member of the Dice Tower Podcast Network. So if you enjoy our conversations about board games and would like to dive deeper into that world, we encourage you to check out the Dice Tower Podcast as well as all the other members of the network. No matter what type of board games you enjoy, there's a podcast on the network that's right for you. So enough of the housekeeping, enough of the rigmarole. Okay, actually, one more piece of rigmarole, Josh. Yeah. Are you... I know we're recording, and we're talking about we games, recording. and we're doing this podcast thing, but you, I have to imagine you have the Fortnite stream up somewhere, right? Just watching that black hole? Uh, no, but I will say I did watch um, someone's clip of like being in the world while the event happened, mm-hmm. and then I just kind of went to a black screen, and they were just like, sitting there so is this something that is coming back tomorrow i don't think they've said so they're just gonna like fortnite is down for a little bit (laughs) so i wonder because they've kind of talked about how this is the end you know and there's rumors out there that it's going to be kind of fortnite chapter two or fortnite two or or however they're going to look at it season two or whatever yeah well no no not season two. yeah because this was the end of season 10 i think but yeah. I wonder if the reason they're doing this is there's a whole bunch of server stuff they have to do for whatever <laughs> they want to do with their launch of the of this next, you know, <clears throat> large chapter in Fortnite. So I wonder yeah. if this is the way that they do that. Because that's the only thing that seems reasonable to me. And I'm not a marketing person, but if you run the biggest video game in the world and your marketing person came in and said, you know what's going to be the best thing for us to do? is not let people play the game. Yeah, shut the game you know, down for two days. Right, like, <laughs> I don't think most people would say that seems brilliant, but it really seems like it's working. A lot of people are paying attention to a black hole on a screen. That's for sure. Yeah, well, they have to be very smart about how long they let it go. That's a big difference. Yeah, I, I wasn't... It's gone far longer than I thought it was going to, and at this point I feel like it's just going to come back tomorrow. But, yeah, like like the Fallout stream and all these other people who tried these like weird looping screens and stuff. Right. I think I think we'll see it tomorrow. Uh, maybe tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow or Tuesday. Yeah, it's just really interesting. So there's a lot of people though just watching a, a black screen. That's for sure. So, all right. Well, enough of the Fortnite stuff. That I <laughs> they they do a good job though of getting people psyched and excited about what they do. Yeah. I mean they they really. Apex, you know, hey, release a new map and all that, which is really cool, but it does not have uh, the gravitas of when Fortnite does stuff. And sometimes that stuff goes backfires for them, definitely. But, you know, they had 
six million people i think concurrently watching a black screen that's crazy which is pretty yeah. ridiculous so but with all of that out of the way josh what are some of the games you've been playing on your tabletop sir okay well finally we got keyforge back to the table and uh i almost forgot how to play it's been <laughs> so long um but we played some games uh i don't think i did terribly well i believe i lost both games um but that's okay. You win some, you lose some. That's true. Especially in Keyforge. You can only win some or lose some. Uh, in every game. You, uh, however... Did, you get, any oh, of the, ahead, did you get any of the new decks or anything? We're still playing the newest available set. Mm-hmm. But the, ne- the next expansion isn't out until 2020. Okay. So we're playing Age of Ascension. I believe is what it's called. Okay. I think that's that's the second set. So, uh, yeah, at this point, I've played all of my decks from the first set. However, I think I mentioned it before. Uh, if you want to get into Keyforge, now is the time because basically everything is half off on Key for Keyforge, uh, from places like Amazon to Miniature Market to Cool Stuff Inc. You can get four packs for twenty bucks now. Um, you can get a box for of the new set for like seventy bucks or sixty five for the old set. Um, it's really it's really great entry level because you know they're not giving up on this game. We have another uh, set coming out, um, so I think they're they're just trying to ride this wave of like people not buying like the game right now. Right. But even if you buy it, like if you're like if you're interested in KeyForge, but you're like ah, it, things are half off already. I don't want to buy a dying game. Well, the beauty of this is it doesn't, it doesn't matter if the game dies. Right. Because every deck is self-contained. So if you buy a box of 12 packs, you have 12 full decks to play. You have six. Well, I actually have way more than six different combinations mm-hmm. of, of games. But you have six brand new games to play of Keyforge. Right. Before you don't see repeated decks. If you just use two players in those sets. So, I mean, it's there if you're... If you're Thinking about it, I'm still thinking about buying another box just because there's still new packs. Oh, absolutely. Um, So, yeah. So, still loving Keyforge. We'll continue to try to get Keyforge Fridays going. With my schedule, it's harder now. And now my schedule is going, changing all over the place. So, I never never know if I'm working until 9 p.m. or 1 a.m. on any given day. Which is why we're recording on Sundays, because <laughs> I know I won't be working that late. Uh, and then, because it is October, um, I wanted to get a spooky game to the table. Uh, Horrified was on the list, but um, I only had one other person to play with, so Terrors of London by Colossal Games excuse me, made its way to the table. And Terrors of London is... Well, it's... Based on the theme, Terrors of London, you're thinking, um, think thematically, um, ghouls, ghosts, monsters, spirits from um, traditional cinema like uh, Jack the Ripper, American Werewolf in Paris, things like that. Like um, almost steampunky without being steampunk, like that Victorian. That's the theme I'm thinking of. It is a it is a deck building game. Uh, I will say this uh, outright. The rule book is terribly written. Okay. Unfor- unfortunately. Uh, 
Um, and the reason why this is a problem is it it uses a lot of common deck building game um, uh, mechanics. So you kind of think you know how to play the game based on how it's set up. But the problem is the things that it does differently are are not very well explained. And we had to do some searching on Board Game Geek and and um, the developers are pretty good at answering questions themselves. Like usually you have to go off of other people giving tips to other people. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, at least one of the developers was in there answering questions for people, which was nice to see. It just thinks that we had to go to there. And the, the way my friend and I play, the same friend who play Key, who plays Keyforge with me, is we don't go to board game geek unless we have to right so that means we spent a lot of time trying to figure it out together before we did that Mm -hmm. which was frustrating anyway this is how the game plays uh and there's two expansions one of the problems with the rules is it assumes you have expansions the way it's worded so it's like pick one a character of so there's spirits i'm trying there's like different categories um I wish I, I don't, I wanted to pull the rule book up, but I feel like I'd be frustrating myself more. Beasts, mortals, spirits, and undead. Thank you. Okay, so they're associated with a color, but they don't tell you the color that there was, they're associated with. They expect you to figure it out on your own, which is frustrating. Wait, but there is a right <laughs> color that they are always associated with? It doesn't change from yes. game to game or anything? There is a specific color that they're associated with, but it does not tell you. Even in the rule book, it shows the pictures of the colors, but it does not put names to them. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, it tells you, like, when you start, um, pick, um, take all you, all the houses together. So, like, let's say it's spirits, and then it's, like, choose one of the characters from the spirits house. Well, in the base game, there's only one from the spirits thing. So when we were reading it, we thought we were missing a deck or something. Oh, okay. Because it says choose one of the creatures from the spirits, uh, you know, from each house. And there's only one. So I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if you're familiar with Ascension, this game will uh, be easy for you to, to get going. You have cultists and fanatics that start in your hand. Uh, and what they do is they give you recruit or attack points. You start the game with what they call the street which is the main deck of the game, shuffled, and you put up five um, cards onto the street. These are cards you're drafting with coins. It's also a Acolyte deck, which works, if you know Ascension, familiar to... Um, um, what's the card? Uh, militia? Not Militia. Heavy Militia? Okay. Uh, it's worth extra... Like They give you bonuses, but it's... It costs two flat to recruit, mm-hmm. two coins. Um, so it, it kind of takes something from Legendary, Marvel Legendary, okay. which is like the Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right, right, right. Um, and you get extra. So those cards have specific things. They all stay face down, so you don't know what you're recruiting. So the two coins is a gamble, but you it may end up helping you in the long run. Um, so, so everything I'm saying is pretty uh, standard for deck builders where you're drafting cards from the middle and you're putting them into your discard unless you have cards that allow you to play them or put them face up on your draw pile. 
each card in the middle has text and also like flavor text stories about the card. Um, if you check on the our, our Instagram, you'll see pictures of some of those cards. Something that this game introduces that's new, well, two things. One is a haunt. In uh, the haunt is a ability of a character. Mm-hmm. What that means is when you uh, play a haunt character from your deck, or from your hand, I should say, uh, it gets a haunt token put on it. What happens is after your turn is over, typically you discard every card you played. Mm-hmm. But if you played a haunt, you flip the haunt token to dismiss, and then that card stays out in front of you for the next turn. Okay. Um, I should mention the goal of the game is to defeat your opponent, and your opponent's um, monster, we'll call them, that you pick, they have hit points. Um, I played Azazel, who was a spirit who had 50 hit points. And my buddy Greg played Lilith, who was a mortal, I believe. Okay. Who who had considerably less hit points, which, which was surprising. Each bad guy has special powers that you can use typically once per turn. But the goal is to reduce them to zero health. So some of the haunts have like shields on them. And you want to keep those out because they shield you from damage. You also have relics, which are cards that when you recruit them, you put them to the right side of your character card. And you can have up to three relics active. And think of them as like passive abilities if you're playing role-playing games or or um, adventure games, things like that. So these things uh, provide you with, uh, one of mine was two shields as a passive ability. If you want to have more relics, you have to replace one after you recruit after you like buy a new one from the from the um, street. So you're trying to um, negotiate what you think is best for you as you play through the game. And then the another new element that they add is horde to the game. And horde is where when you play a monster, they are affiliated with a certain house that Kyle listed earlier. Uh, and they have the icon in the top left-hand corner. But also on the bottom of their card, on the left and the right, they also have houses. And they have colored arrows which have that match up with other cards. So let's say I put out a spirit card, which is blue. Mm-hmm. And on the bottom left-hand corner of my spirit card is a white human uh, logo. Mm-hmm. That will have two arrows. It'll have a white arrow for its color and then we'll say maybe it has a blue arrow for spirit so if i have another card in my hand or in play that has the matching logo you can group them together and that creates a horde oh interesting if you so if you have a horde and one of the characters is a hunt it immediately loses the hunt that's the the downside to joining a horde the plus side to joining a horde is every character has a special extra power on the very bottom of their card. Mm-hmm. When you group up a horde, you pick one of the available powers, the extra available powers, and use that. So one might be like two extra attack. And then you get to use that. And then if you are also able to add a third card to the horde, then you get to pick from the remaining available uh, bonus powers. Okay. 
until you can't do it anymore. Uh, the cool thing about the turns is you draw, you have a hand of five, you play until you're out of cards, and, and or you can play down to one card and choose to put that card on top of your deck to draw again, but you cannot keep it in your hand mm-hmm. because you will always draw five cards. Okay. So it works like that. You go through turns. Each person takes a turn. You're essentially recruiting and attacking. So also, if you played any of the Harry Potter Hogwarts battle, mm-hmm. you're still familiar with that that setup of recruiting and attacking, even defense for the dark arts. Um, the art is is uh, beautiful. It's it's a little gory, but it's interesting, which is nice. Everything you can look at. Um, is something new for the most part. I mean, there are duplicate characters, but um, it's a game that I want to get the expansions because I want more options because it only comes with four um, base characters to choose from Mm -hmm. or five, maybe. It's probably five. Uh, It is a two-player game, though. It says 30 to 60 minutes. You know, that's for any game after the first game. Mm -hmm. You know, the first game, I think, might have taken us like two hours to get play through right. and get through okay um but it didn't it didn't feel too bad i mean there was definitely times where it was the rules were a little frustrating okay but when we got to the end i said i said i said uh one of our i said donnie really was interested in this game but i don't know that i can recommend it to him because i feel like the rules make it too complicated mm-hmm. because of, they're a little frustrating but uh, my buddy said uh, he thinks like once you get a game in and i agree with him it'll be a lot easier and quicker to play the second time right so i think i agree with him on that i, I think it's a good game i really just wish they like put out like a pdf of like a revised rules or something right or maybe the expansions come with one i'm not sure so i know you're obviously a fan of of deck building games yes where does this rank for you when Mm. would you choose to pull this out over ascension or the games that you really love well i definitely have to play it a few more times before i know that for sure Mm -hmm. uh thematically like october is a great time to play Mm -hmm. it so i i could definitely see myself playing it um in october Mm -hmm. like for the halloween season um but being it being that it's a two-player game and you know, uh, <laughs> I could be totally wrong, but because the box doesn't list like player counts or right. or time, so <laughs> I was also frustrated with that. Uh, it could be more than two players, or, or maybe the expansion makes it more. Mm-hmm. If it was like four players, I think I'd be more interested in teaching it out to more people. Okay, but with the frustration of learning it. And then having to maybe go through that again with every new person I teach, that's a little bit of uh, something I don't want to tackle. Mm-hmm. But if my friend, if Greg, if my buddy Greg wanted to play it again, I would totally play it again. Uh, I don't, and I think we talked to William, and he was like, "When's the last time you played Legendary?" Yeah, and I, like I agree with his question. Like that's that's. I think I might be more tempted to reopen up Legendary if I was dying. For okay. a deck building game, or maybe explore Ascension, another Ascension set, or play an older set mm-hmm. uh, before I played this. 
uh, not someone new. Gotcha. Do you think if the rules or if you had had a bit of an easier time learning the game, your opinion of it would be different? Yeah, for sure. Okay. I think, and like I said, if I play, the, I might play this a second time and just love it because I'm not going through those frustrations anymore. Right. And that definitely ha- has an effect on my experience with the game. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like I—I don't know if this was a Kickstarter, but I said this feels like it was a Kickstarter based on how the rule book's written. Because a lot of Kickstarters, they have a tough time with the rule books because right. they, they either don't put the time into playtesting or they try to write the rule books themselves instead of hiring someone to do that. Right. Um, and, I, and that's not a blanket Kickstarter statement, but I, I, there's lots of experience experiences I've heard mm-hmm. of bad rule books, including some of the Kickstarters I have. Right. Um, but if you like the horror theme, I don't know that you're going to find a deck builder out there for you. Right. Besides this. So this is good for someone who wants to get into deck building and really has that... Um, like Wolfman, mm-hmm. like Jekyll and Hyde, like th- those images in your head, like that pulpy Victorian era art and stuff. This game is right up your alley. It really is. Right. Um, you just kind of have to get through the rules, and and they can be clumsy for a lot of people. You just kind of have to get through that part. That's the only criticism I have for the game, to be honest with you. I think all the mechanics work out great. Um the the hit point the life on the characters seem a little off they don't really match up with like it's not like a character's special ability is super great so their life points are lower Mm -hmm. it doesn't seem that way so we couldn't really figure out why i started with 50 life and he started with 43 or whatever it was right 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 um that was a big that was a difference maker i think so here, um, but yeah. so here's what I will say as I was kind of dinking around as you were talking. I was listening too, but I was trying to get answers yeah. to your questions. <laughs> so on Colossal's website, there is a rule book that is version 1.81. Okay. <laughs> so I don't know what rule book, obviously, version comes in the game, but there clearly is an updated-ish rule book. Uh, that's a check. So I don't know. Like I said, I don't know what difference that makes. Maybe that's the one that shipped. Um, and you are right that the game the base game it looks like is two player but getting either expansion allows you to play up to four. Oh, okay and that that's great uh i also um believe sorry for the typing people <laughs> and it's really great think... when you talk while you type because then there's no way to get rid of it <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> well uh note to future self don't do that um I think I wanted to check the price because I feel like I did not pay a lot of money for it. Uh, I th- I feel like I got it for like 20 bucks. Oh, really? Although the first price I see is high. Yeah, the first maybe, price I see on GeekList is 75 Maybe, Maybe I should uh, see if they have more copies and then sell it online. There you go. <laughs> because I did not pay that much for it which is interesting because well i'll have to look it up when you're talking i'll look it up on amazon not, so i'm not clickety clacking not a problem <laughs> but uh yeah it does look like that it was um it is in the crowdfunding kickstarter uh family on board game geek so i'm assuming okay. that it was a kickstarter so that game. makes sense so all right well hey there we go 
Any other board games or anything tabletop you'd like to talk about, sir? No, I mean, well, I did escape rooms. Does that kind of yeah? I think that fits in here. Let's talk about your escape room experience. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you right now. My left knee is just one giant swollen bruise. I don't think that's how escape rooms are supposed to work. From my experiences with them, these have they have different colored doors. So we went to we. I talked about this like eight months ago on the podcast. It's called Boda Board. B O D A. B-O-R-G. Okay. And it's, uh, I believe it's either Switzerland or Sweden. I don't remember who. Um, it's the only one in the United States. It's in Boston or Malden to be more specific. And it probably has 20 different themed rooms. They typically have three rooms. Sometimes they have four that you have to get through. And... Each door is a color. There's well, not each door. There's three different color doors. There's uh, green, I believe, is mental. Mm-hmm. Then there's black for physical, and there's red for like uh, intermediate. So a little bit of maybe both or neither, depending. And yeah, we did an Al- you know Alcatraz escape room. There was a new like there was a horror one called Spook House. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some new ones. There was a Sphinx was new boot camp, which was very difficult. Uh, we completed 11 rooms. Oh, nice. It was a group of, we had, uh, we had nine people. So we split up boys and girls again. We had five guys this time, which made some of the rooms that required speed very difficult because you're trying to, you're stumbling over each other, trying to get through places. Um, so I'll just explain one room. And you can kind of imagine what the other ones are. So one room, one of the rooms is called Alcatraz. And uh, spoilers, if you're ever going to come to Boston, I'm going to tell you how to complete Alcatraz. <laughs> all of these rooms, you, you really, if unless you've done them before, you it's all trial and error. And you get buzzed out of rooms, whether it's by a timer or by doing something wrong. So then you have to go all the way back to the beginning and wait in line because people are in line mm. uh, and do it again. There's probably uh, – it's a pretty big building, but there was probably close to 500 people in general in the whole building. Oh, dang. Okay. But there's so, there's so many rooms and groups that it doesn't – it's not long waits. Right. Um, so Alcatraz, you go in, you enter a Alcatraz jail cell. Okay. Did you talk to Sean Connery? first not but i talked like sean connery <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of counts I think. okay i think that works yeah <laughs> uh so you you wait in line in a, in an alcatraz jail cell when you get the signal to go through you uh climb you open a door that's underneath the sink in the jail cell and you climb into it which puts you into um like in between the walls in the plumbing mm-hmm once you're in this room, the floor is lava. <laughs> okay. If you touch the floor, anyone in your group, you're eliminated. Oh, dang. So you're you're climbing on pipes across the walls and you're grabbing onto things. But also in this room, there are three um, um, valves you have to spin, but you have to spin them all at the same time. Mm-hmm. So you need to communicate with your team and call out when everyone's ready, and then you spin the valves at the same time, and then you get passed through the room, but you still can't touch the floor. So everyone has to get through, 
the winding hallway. Once you do that, you go into the next room, which has chain link fencing Mm -hmm. all around you, up above you and to your sides, and spotlights. There's three spotlights. They turn off and on on a timer. The first person has to get through the first spotlight, get to the second spotlight, which never turns off, and slide a door above their head to cover the spotlight. Okay. And then the rest then the rest of your team has to it's an S um tunnel, like it's an S cage, so you have to get through. But at the end of the S there is a door, so you have to wait till the spotlight turns off, get to the door. You can't close the door behind you because it locks. So you have to hold it open for the next person to come to, and then you climb straight up into a pitch black uh, we'll call it a tunnel that's about 25 feet high and there's only ledges on each side of it so you climb up the ledges while the people behind you you're holding the door so they come in okay. and get in behind you and then once your whole group is through you climb you climb all the way up and then once you get out you're in there like essentially their sewer system and then you enter a little tunnel there's three manholes above you and there's spotlights shining on two of the three manholes, and you have to find out which manhole doesn't have the spotlight shining through it. Climb out the manhole and escape, and then you get stamps, and you stamp your card after you complete Alcatraz. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, and that's where you get beat up a lot. That's where my knees are, like, really messed up, and... My wife's whole body is killing her. My like, and we're today we're like discovering different parts of us that hurt. Like I didn't realize I hurt my wrist, <laughs> but that just means we're getting old. That's right. That's right. <laughs> when you said physical challenge, I right away thought was he competing on an episode of Double Dare? Like what was that? Double Dare, yeah. <laughs> Where yeah, everyone was just physical like physical challenge immediately. Physical challenge. Physical challenge. Pick, picking boogers out of a nose. Why do you even ask the question? You know they're going to take the physical challenge. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so there's a platoon one that's particularly cha- challenging. Um, there's one called uh, B- Super Banan, which is their highest uh, rated challenge. There's Jungle, mm-hmm. which is like all of them. You can't touch the floor. Hmm. There's a lot of fun ones. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Man, I wish I had something like that here. Definitely not something like that <laughs> in Iowa. All right. Well, any other board game things you'd like to discuss? No, I think I got all my board games. All right, out. I will move on and talk about the games I am going to talk about briefly. Uh, first one, Forbidden Sky, which I know we, I talked about a couple of weeks ago, but I did have the opportunity to play this with four players, and I just wanted to give a brief update that I had talked about how challenging Forbidden Sky was with two players. Uh, it's really, really easy with four. Super easy. Okay, that's good to know. <laughs> so, uh, and maybe it was because having played it with two players first had an idea of how things were supposed to go, what what the rules were, kind of general things that worked well and worked didn't. Maybe that played into it, but when playing with four players, um, won the first game on like regular difficulty without much issue at all. Uh, kicked up the difficulty, won, played it again, still won without much difficulty at all. Uh, so nice. again, it could just be the, you know, like, there are variable player powers. It could have just been that we had a good mix of powers, um, it could be just because we're so good at games, uh, or it could just be <laughs> mm-hmm. that, you know, four players is a good count for that game. 
uh, because it definitely when being able to see all the tiles that are available to you and kind of how you should build things out uh, definitely feels like a pretty big advantage when you have more people so forbidden sky definitely much more doable with four players compared to two so that's about all i'll say about that uh awesome i, I did post a picture on twitter about gonna ask about, about champions it. of midgar <laughs> uh, and started playing Champions of Midgar, but then got interrupted and never finished the game. Ah, so, gotcha. um, have not, hence I'm not talking about it this week. Uh, so the game is set up mid-play. Uh, so I don't know if we'll finish it or if we'll start back over again. Uh, but I will say, very early impressions are I really like this game a lot. Uh, but I'll talk about it more in two weeks when we talk about games again. So yes, I was... You know, I've never played it. Maybe I should try to get it played... Um... Before we talk about games, again. yeah, if you want to, it there is, uh, I think, Game Boy Geek has a how to play video on it, and I just watched yeah. that and kind of read through the instructions as that went on, and pretty spot on. There wasn't too much that nice. was complicated after that. So, um, yeah, like I said, initial impressions are pretty positive, but I obviously want to get at least one, if not multiple, full games in before I officially talk about it. Um, and then the other game that I played it was a game that just came out recently. Um, from Elizabeth Hargrave, the designer of Wingspan, and that's Tussie Mussy, which um, is a very small micro game, almost if you would, from Buttonshy, who all of their games are wallet-sized games, usually you know a dozen cards, 20 cards. Uh, so they just come in a nice little pack, and it's something that you can easily bring along with you. Uh, but Tussie Mussy is a two-to-four player card game. There's 18 cards in the game. That's all there are. Uh, there is a single-player variant as well that comes with a few additional cards to make that happen. But for the 2-4 to four player game, like I said, it's 18 cards, and all you're doing is trying to build the best bouquet of flowers you can, uh, and your bouquet in the end is going to have four flowers in it. And it is a very straightforward game of I Split, You Choose. The wrinkle to I Split, You Choose, though, is that whoever's turn it is draws two cards, they look at them both, they put one face up and one face down, offering it to the next player. The next player has to choose, do they take the face up card or do they take the face down card? And that's pretty much all that you do. And then it goes the next player's turn, they offer up one face up, one face down card. And that's you just cycle through until everyone has four flowers in their bouquet. The, uh, the flowers that are face down, obviously you can look at. Uh, whenever you want to, but no one else knows what those are unless maybe someone who put one face down that you took remembers what that card was. Uh, those are your, I think they would call them your keepsakes. And then the face up cards, I they might have, I can't remember exactly what the name of those for. I can't remember if that's your bouquet and then everything is the arrangement maybe. That might be what it is. Anyway, uh, so then you do scoring and some of the cards will say, okay, uh, you get you know an additional car point for every card that has a heart on it. And every card is a different color or there's four or five colors in the game and there are different types of flowers and some of them have hearts on them. But every card has some sort of other text on it that uh, if it is a keepsake card, you get a bonus point for it. It gives you extra points for every blue card that you have, whatever it might be. So you're just trying to build your deck or you build your bouquet. Uh, after everyone has their four cards, you score it and then you go shuffle up again, do it again. And it's after three rounds, person with the highest score wins. Very straightforward game. Very easy to teach, easy to play. Um, a good, decent filler game. Definitely not the game that it, you know plays in 20 minutes max. 
Um, yeah. Not a game that you're going to probably want to base your entire game night around. But if you're waiting for people to show up, or if maybe you are looking for something easy to bring to work to play on lunch break with people, uh, a way to wind down a game night, a quick game to play with family or on the holidays while you're waiting for the meal to start, uh, because of the portability of it, because of the ease of teaching it, uh, Tusty Musty is, is solid. It kind of, I don't know if I like it as much as maybe Love Letter. That yeah. kind of seems to fit in that very simple to teach, easy to learn, filler style game. I don't know if I like it quite as much as that, but uh, it's a game I do enjoy playing. I try to play in the solo variant of it, and maybe I don't like it because I'm not good at it. I don't know. <laughs> but I, it is very hard to decide because when you're playing the solo variant, Whereas when you're playing the two-player game, you look at the two cards, or the two-to-four-player game, you look at the cards and decide what you're putting face up and what you're putting foot down. When you're playing the solo variant, there is a kind of, the additional cards are basically an engine that says, for this turn, you're going to display one card face up and one card face down. So you have to make decisions about cards you're going to take without seeing the card. And I am really yeah. good at giving the better card to the fake opponent who gets really good <laughs> points. So... Uh, it's cool that there is that single player variant. I don't know if I would ever purposely, you know, go out to play it other than I did play it a little bit just so I could talk about it tonight. And it's a cool uh, how they do it. There there definitely are some variations to rules from the base game. And, and like I said, it basically gives you a card of, or a deck of eight cards that are the engine that tell you what to do. That on this turn, you're going to reveal, sometimes it's one card face up, one card face down. Sometimes it's both cards face up. And then... When deciding to take the cards, it's not just, oh, I'm going to take this one and put it face up. It might say, okay, for you, whichever card you take, you have to put face up in your arrangement. And the other card that you give to the opponent has to go face down in their arrangement. Maybe it'll say both have to be face up. Maybe it'll say both have to just stay however they were on the board. That's how you add them to the arrangements. So it is kind of an interesting twist on the game uh, and definitely makes it kind of hard as a single player to yeah. know what the best decisions are because you literally do not have all the information. And then for round two and for round three, you actually add a card to the opponent's deck uh, arrangement. So they have five cards for the second one and then six cards for the third round. Uh, so it gets a little hard. You know, you can definitely sculpt what you're doing well, but yeah. there is definitely the possibility through sheer guessing wrong, you give them a card that's really beneficial for them. So... <laughs> Uh, yeah, the single player variant is cool that it's there. I don't know that it's super necessary, uh, but you know, when, when we're talking about games, how often is anything necessary? Uh, right. As in, I don't know that I'll seek it out to play it. It's a cool concept, uh, but again, with how short it is and how quick it is, I probably am more likely to pull out my phone and play an episode, a level of Grindstone uh, than I am to play sure. the single version, uh, single player version of Tussie Mussy. But if you're looking for an inexpensive, easy game to teach that you might want to play with family, that has a little bit of a different... Um, theme not a lot of themes around building flower bouquets uh, i think tusty mussy is worth a look josh i know you have this game have you been able to play it yet you know i i haven't um i just kind of went through my my computer desk here and i pulled it out of a pile which means i accidentally shuffled it <laughs> into uh old bills which is how small so. it is it's so small <laughs> um no, but I mean, I I backed it because of Elizabeth mm -hmm. Hargrave. Hargrave, so uh, it's definitely something I will play soon. I might play with the wife tomorrow. We're both off tomorrow, so um, because it is so small, and we need to start thinking about what we are gonna bring 
um, with us to PAX. I have um, two other um, um, Jason Techmire games, which are Sparolopolis and Circle of the Wagons. Mm -hmm. They're both the wallet games. So I think we might play all three and figure out which one we want to throw in our pocket when we go and wait in line for like panels and stuff. Yeah, and it is pretty amazing how you started with tiny epic trying to create these amazing games in a small box but even that small box still doesn't necessarily fit well in your pocket it is really amazing the the quality of game there they have been able to put together that company with 15 cards for their games like they do a really nice job of putting those things together for sure yeah speaking of the packs they i was very excited to see they released a schedule for packs unplugged um because they said they were so excited to release it. And uh, while I, I wouldn't say that there was anything remarkable, mm-hmm. I know they're I know they're waiting to announce things because it's like a, a milestone PAX. I think it's like the 50th PAX ever. Like oh, it's number 50. Interesting. Okay. So they're, they're planning on doing special things for that. But um, they did release... Um, they are doing a learn-to-play route from the designers of Root. Uh, so we're... We're definitely doing that. Very cool. Because it's at it's at eight p.m. on that Friday night. Okay. Until eleven thirty p.m. So, I get to learn root, and while we wait in line for that, we'll play one of those games we just talked about. <laughs> or you could get the oh, it won't be out then. I was gonna say you could get the root the tabletop RPG and read through it <laughs> while you wait, but I don't think it'll be I out. Could then. do that. All right. So that's up for the board game world. Josh, what have you been playing on your television screen? Well, before we do that, I just want to say Terrors of London is $20 on Amazon. Oh, okay. There you go. And I have to say at that price, um, I have to like fully endorse it for $20. It's it's definitely worth yeah, it. Yeah, and the art looks really good on it. The art is awesome. Yeah. So for $20, I can look past the rule book issues. There you go. And it has a nice box. It even has a flap, that the magnetic flap. Oh, I love those. Yeah, they do sell a playmat. I did see in the rule book it mentions a playmat. Because inside the box there's like, these tokens are just for the playmat. Right. So they did plan on you being able to buy that. Okay, so, video games. Yeah. Well, uh, well, I've been playing a lot of Apex Legends. I'm trying to remember if I played something between... We didn't talk about games we played last week. Nope. And I'm trying to remember... Besides, like, we've talked about Link's Awakening, mm-hmm. which I've been playing. Um, and I think in Borderlands 3. So I think Apex Legends is the other thing I've been consistently playing. How far are you in Borderlands now? Have you played much more since we talked last? I think since we talked last, I haven't touched it, okay. to be honest with you. I'm still, like, a level 16. Um, okay. And you, I think you were able to look at how many hours I've spent in it. Yeah. It was, like, 13 hours or something, something like, like that. Something like that, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I want to get back to it, um, but I'll talk about a game that is probably going to stop me from getting back to it for a little bit. Um, so Apex Legends season three, I bought the battle pass, which is going to encourage me to keep playing. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did get my first win of season three with PSVG's very own Nathan. Uh, we played... Together with some other guy we didn't know. <laughs> I don't know if Nathan listens to our podcast. I hope he does. Um, but I say this, Nathan, with... I don't mean this in a negative way. I mean it in the best possible way. But it's fun. He's really funny because I'm in a match 
and I don't even know he's online. Uh-huh. And I finish a match, and I go back to my lobby, and he's just in my party. Just waiting for you. <laughs> like, just waiting, and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so I, so he's just there, and we play, and he's like the jump master for the first game. And where does he go the very first time he goes to the train? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. This is not going to end well. And I die immediately, mm-hmm. and then we all die. Yeah. And then he picks the train again we all die and then he picks a hot zone and then we uh, there's a place on the new map that's basically uh toilet bowl like if you have the toilet bowl of water slides in your local water parks right, right so you hit this thing and it slides you down in boom every other group is also in there right so we die immediately so we had like four very quick matches but that's okay <laughs> and i think no it's fine that's how you learn the map that is how you learn the map and i truly think with Apex compared to even more so than the other Battle Royales, getting in fights right away, if you win those, you are set. If you lose them, that's yeah. fine. You lost them, go do the game again. But if you land and there's no one there and you're just running around picking up loot, I feel like you're at a significant disadvantage compared to those who that get in firefights right away and win them. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I feel bad, like guilty. Like, I feel like I'm bad and I'm bringing the team down when I die right away. Oh. Like, I'm like the slow, methodical Apex mm-hmm. player. I go somewhere where nobody is, right. and then I gear up. And then I'm ready. <laughs> and that's what we did on our fifth game. Mm-hmm. We got lucky. We got somewhere where we had plenty of time to gear up. We got a lot of great circumstances. It's funny, though. I get frustrated because uh, downing a person isn't getting a kill. No. So I feel like with that last game we played, I must have got five kills no i got zero kills <laughs> i think you got one didn't you was it didn't you maybe one you oh, and nathan each had one. one and then your third random had like yeah. seven yeah it might have been not one, that i looked I felt... or anything and chuckled to myself <laughs> and said it felt like Carried. zero <laughs> yeah it felt like zero um but i might have got one you're right i think i uh i came in and got anyways we got a victory on that one um and, and that was great it feels awesome when you get those mm-hmm. it, it still feels great in apex because it's not something I get all the time. Right. But even when I don't win, I still have such a fun time playing Apex. I, th- I think the key is not playing it as much as everyone does. Mm. If I play it a couple times a week, I love it. I feel like if I played it for hours a day, every day, like some people do, right. I'll be so over it. So I'm, gl- I'm, I'm trying to keep that pace. Yeah, I have one person that I play with apex with on occasion and him he used to be part of the overwatch group i play with and he kind of has moved fully to apex that's about all he plays so when i play with him and his new people that he plays apex with on occasion it everything i do is wrong everything is the wrong decision (laughs) nothing i do is ever correct and i don't know that they fully carry me they definitely are better at the game than i am stylistically they just play very different and this is part of the reason i struggle with battle royales is I'm not a, a get a run in there. I'm very methodical like you are. That's the same thing yeah. that I am with Call of Duty, where I'm a very methodical player. And in Call of Duty, uh, I'm not going to be the person who has the most kills, but I'm going to have a pretty solid kill-to-death ratio. So I'm yeah. still helping the team. But in a game like Apex, the way you help is basically just don't die. Yep. You know, yep. that's more yeah. important than getting kills is not dying. Support. You know? Yeah, so. support. That's very important in Apex. Even if you're not a support character, like I was playing, I always play Assault's character, but... I was with a Pathfinder who was healing himself, so I just stood right in front of him while he was healing. That's what you have to do. Mm-hmm. And you have to know to do that. Yeah. They don't, like, because I always mute my squad. <laughs> so 
my wife was in the room with one of them and she's like that kid's like 13 i was like yeah i didn't meet him yet sorry <laughs> I was like, they're also probably equally mortified when they hear a 35-year-old playing with them. Yeah, I think we're all <laughs> Oh, no, to he's going to be terrible. <laughs> but yeah, we should play Apex Legends together more. We should. Uh, we because should. we play the same way. Um, uh, th- that being said, we are two days away as we're recording from the Halloween event for Apex Legends, which I'm very excited for. It brings us back to King's Landing. It is a solo, as solo mode, and... Uh, essentially, from what I understand, there's some awesome skins they're adding, uh, and there's three different ways to get those skins. You can buy them outright if you want, and you can earn them with the, uh, mm-hmm. and you can earn them uh, via unlocks or um, challenges, which is great. But it is adding like a zombie mode where once you get killed, instead of dying, you get turned into a very fast running zombie who doesn't have weapons. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so, yeah, so you're essentially attacking all the living players. So, like, basically like an infection mode. Yeah, you can jump far or high, and you can bite, but you don't have weapons. Okay. Uh, so I'm excited to play that, and I'm excited that it's solo, because um, I really enjoyed the solo mode from the last, uh, from season two, mm-hmm. but it was, you know, timed. Uh, so, yeah, Apex Legends. I can't talk more highly about it still, which is good. Yeah. Uh, the next game I've been playing is a game I am reviewing for Play Some Video Games. Uh, I can talk about it because it has already released. Excellent. Uh, but I won't talk too much about it. The game is called Reventure. It is on the Nintendo Switch. I'm not sure if it's on other consoles yet. I will do my due diligence before my review. Uh, and what I'll say about it is... It's my favorite type of video game, 8-bit. <laughs> you do uh, love those. <laughs> you know, I did love them 10 years ago when they started re-coming re out. Um, so the, the 8-bit uh, style of games isn't winning me over just based on that it's an 8-bit game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's all I'll say about that. It has um, some homages to uh, other older uh typically nes games like some things are basically flat out stolen um (laughs) which is interesting not a criticism just interesting that they were able to get it in the game uh you play as a hero who goes on an adventure but it is called reventure for reasons i'll get into on the review so stay tuned to play some video games i believe kevin's planning on releasing them in in psvg prime but we'll get we'll get you more details as to how psvg is going to release those our reviews later they will be audio reviews so you can just listen you don't have to do any reading um, and i'll talk about my time with reventure uh and then last really <laughs> really quick it looks like Re- oh, yeah. it looks like reventure is also on steam Okay, there you go. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, it seems like it's a Steam game. It's probably been on Steam for a while. I think it has, yeah. I think it's been on Steam since the beginning of the year. (laughs) Yeah, that's typical to (laughs) Nintendo Switch. Uh, (laughs) Last of Us Remastered is the last game I have been playing. However, I will say this. The last time we talked, uh, last week, I wasn't sure when I was going to start or Mm -hmm. if I was going to start in October. Um, I kind of just pulled the trigger because I was sitting around the couch uh, one night and, you know, I I think i just been putting this game off for too long. So I just kind of made the decision just to start. 
And everyone in our Discord is <laughs> very surprised. <laughs> in fact, people like screenshotted my my PlayStation profile to show the show that I was playing. Yeah. It. Donnie was very excited, though. <laughs> Donnie was extremely yes. excited. But as Donnie do, Donnie is way far ahead of me and already posting pictures of spoilers for me in our Discord. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> so I was going to say something. He doesn't care too much about my yeah, experience. I was going to say something to him about that, <laughs> but I was like, well. I mean, it is a multi-year-old game, so. No, I know. I can't complain about spoilers. And I know that Donnie doesn't care about spoilers. So I think it's just a blind spot between the two of us. So, yeah. I've been playing. I played the opening, and I st- and I did the first. I did the first bit of the main part of the story where I felt like I could save it because mm-hmm. um, either I had something to do or I was going to bed, and I don't recall. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll say this: <laughs> I, I I know it's a remaster. I forgot that this was a PS3 game, mm-hmm. so my first reaction was, "This looks terrible." <laughs> But once I re- once someone pointed out it was a PS3 game, I then um, realized how much better it looks. Yeah. Than my first uh, opinion of the game was. Yeah. So I'm able to get past that now. But originally I was like, oh boy, how am I going to play this whole game? It's a PS4 game that looks like a PS2 game. <laughs> but no, it's right in between. Correct. <laughs> uh, so that's fine. Um, the opening was cinematic it was um interesting exciting a little uh, yeah exciting mm-hmm. um tragic surprising yeah uh lots of adjectives i could use <laughs> to describe and even adverbs <laughs> uh fast <laughs> um no, sorry, that's not an adverb. That's just a verb. That is very fast. Uh, <laughs> fastly. I was going to say fastly, and I was like, "Oh, we could go with quickly." I guess. Quickly. <clears throat> uh, yeah, yeah. I was um, surprised. I was. Uh, uh, I don't know how to describe my emotions. It's interesting how a game. I need to be emotionally attached to characters in general to feel like. Like how maybe people want you to feel about things. Uh, the best thing that sounded stupid the way I said that, but I know what you're saying. Um, uh, you got to get me in, into a character for me to feel right. Like anything happening to that character is important to right. me. Yep. Other than just pressing buttons, and I feel like they did that in such a short amount of time uh, that I could really relate. And that and that could be because I have a child now. Um, for me personally, that may have changed my opinion. I know other people who don't have kids feel passionately about it, but I, I think once I became a dad, a lot of the things I was able to brush off um, in cinema and video games affect me way more now. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and then once you get into the gameplay solid, it's uh, for so far, it's basically Uncharted. Um, except the buttons are all messed up, so I gotta get I gotta get used to the buttons. <clears throat> um, so far, like the, for combat wise, yeah. the con- the control the controls are weird, uh, but the gameplay itself is very much uncharted. Uh, and I'm looking forward to. So far, I've only encountered humans, mm. and I know that that's going to change. That is going to change. Uh, but yeah, I look forward to playing it. I want to make sure I make time. Donnie posted seven pictures, and then he was like, "Josh, you didn't give up yet, did you?" <laughs> and I was like, no. I, I haven't seen any of those things. 
so I hope to find some time, maybe tomorrow night, um, to play some more. Mm-hmm. And then during the week, I don't know what my work schedule is going to be. And that's really what's been hindering me from my life. Right. <clears throat> I still have John Wick 3. I still have the new Spider-Man. I still have a dozen horror movies I need to watch. And my work schedule has just been so insane that I literally have had no time to do anything. And that's very frustrating to me. <laughs> but uh, those are my three video games that I talked about at the length of six video games. All right. <laughs> so... I have been playing, uh, just to talk about Apple Arcade very briefly, I am still playing Grindstone. It is pretty much the Apple Arcade game I am playing regularly now. I think I'm on level 85. I just looked at my phone a minute ago. Uh, and I have three-starred all of them up to that level. So that is kind of my thing. i got to get my three quote-unquote stars, even though they're not technically stars, uh, before I can move on to the next. So still enjoying Grindstone. It's still a game I play when I have 10 minutes here or there. It's kind of the thing I pick up and do, and I'm really liking it from Cappy. Uh, highly recommend it. The only downfall to it is you can't listen to a podcast while you're playing it, um, <laughs> which is actually true with a lot of the Apple Arcade games. Uh, but apparently, that is a thing they're going to be patching, so which is nice. nice. Not that, and not that the music in the game isn't good. It's just that usually when I'm on my phone and I have that time, I'm also usually listening to a podcast. So, yeah. Yep. Um, so I'm doing that. Uh, I played and finished a game I can't talk about yet. Uh, yep. But I, I say that. Oh, you finished? Yeah, it? I finished it. I say that. Oh, I didn't know that. Only because I have put a lot. I put a lot of time in these last couple of weeks into finishing this game, um, and it just has reduced the amount of other things I can play as a result. But uh, this week you will hear that review from P- on PSVG, um, and I'll talk about it more on the podcast in a couple of weeks when we talk about games again. But um, so I've been putting a lot of time into another game I can't talk about, but another game that I did start and finish and platinum. <laughs> Which is crazy. <laughs> is Concrete Genie. So Concrete Genie came out last week. Uh, the PlayStation 4 exclusive from Pixel, Pixel Opus, a small, actually the smallest team in a uh, first-party studio that PlayStation has. It's actually located um, on their San Mateo campus where their headquarters is. So they're, the, the studio is like in their headquarters, which is, I think, unique. I don't know if, other, if Microsoft or <laughs> Nintendo have studios actually in their headquarters. I don't know how those work. But for, for PlayStation, at least, it's unique. Um, in Concrete Genie, you play as Ash, who is a young boy who uh, is living in a town who that is downtrodden, has had some rough things happen, um, and he is, I don't want to give too much away, but he, he's the subject of, or the gets a lot of attention from some other kids in town who maybe don't treat him the best. Uh, and it's kind of about just his journey and his, and his way of, of handling that and going through that and trying to... Uh, make the town be everything the town can be, but also about his relationship with those other kids uh, and how that goes. Here's what I will say about the story. It is, it goes a lot like you'd expect it to, but I don't know that that's a bad thing. Um, there's nothing super ex- unique or different about the story that's being told. It is a story that you, if you have consumed media probably at all, a studio a story you have experienced but it's still told with heart, which I think is important. So it's still well done. It just isn't something that's super unique. Uh, the big part about this game is the painting mechanic, if you would, or that, you know, as Ash, you have this paintbrush and he is painting the town to try to bring life back to the town and some vibrancy back to this town. Um, one thing that it does that I don't like actually is that a lot of the painting is done, well, 
I didn't think I was going to like is that the painting is done with motion controls. Luckily, you can mm. shut those off if you want to. You can do the painting with the right stick if you want to. Um, and I tried to do that, and it actually really st- – I didn't like it with the right stick at all. So I actually used the motion controls to paint, which I did not think I was going to because I was not – I'm not usually a fan of those things. But it actually works really well just using the DualShock 4 and the light bar and all that good stuff. Uh, the music in the game is quite good. Um, every single thing you paint, you have basically – a sketchbook. Uh, Ash has this sketchbook, and then you can kind of flip through the sketches and decide what you're going to paint onto these walls. Every single sketch that he has in there has a unique sound. So as you're painting, oh. it's not only are you create these genies, which are these these characters that you paint onto the walls that can help you with puzzle solving and stuff. Um, so not only do they have, do they react in certain ways to what you paint for them, and and that's kind of how you build a relationship with them. Um, so not only are they reacting and the visuals are changing, but the sound is also adjusting as you're adding all of these things together. So it's a, some neat complex layers putting, you know, on top of one another there. Uh, as I said, I, I was out of, off of work on Thursday. I was out sick that day and I hadn't started concrete genie yet. And it had been three really long days of work and podcasting and all that stuff. So I sat down Thursday morning, said that we're going to give this a whirl. Uh, and by the time I went to bed Thursday night, I had the platinum trophy. So it's not a long game. I think I finished the game in six hours, had the Platinum in another couple hours of cleanup. So it's not hard. Uh, The Platinum's fun, though. It is a good time. It's a fun Platinum to get. Um, And there is a VR mode, which I have not tried yet. Uh, So there are two different VR modes that you can do. Uh, I haven't given those a whirl yet, but they're not required for the Platinum Trophy. So then when I was done playing, I was kind of done. So overall, like I said, I know I didn't tell you a ton about, you know, gameplay. But really what you are doing is it's a little bit of a... It's, it's kind of this weird mishmash of adventure game because you're, there's some light puzzle solving. You're creating and painting, you know, these works of art. Uh, you're bringing life back to the city, and the way you bring the life back is you have to paint these walls that have literal lights on the walls. And when you paint them, it lights the lights up, and it kind of unlocks those parts of the city and helps bring them back to life. Uh, there's climbing in it. Almost mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed style scampering up on buildings really? because you're trying to avoid the bullies. So you sometimes have to, uh, you know, climb up buildings and do things to get away from them. You can shout to yell at them and then you run away from them because maybe they're trying to block something <laughs> that you're trying to get at. And you're, and then they call you names and stuff. It's kind of kind of mean, <laughs> you know. So, but yeah, I don't know. It's this is one of those preeminent games that's really beautiful. The art direction for it is great. The sound design is wonderful. Like I said, the story is a story you've heard before, but it's told in a good way. Uh, The movement in the game and the controls are a little awkward every once in a while, especially with the painting and having to recenter um, where you're looking and things like that. And it's just a simple button press to do it, but that can still be a little bit bit trying. The nice thing is if you happen to die, if you miss a jump or something like that, respawn is instantaneous and right back where you were. So you don't, there's not a lot of time lost there. Uh, overall, it's a good game. I wouldn't say it's a great game, but it it's a game that it makes me want to see what they're going to do next. They're really committed to the artistic vision that they have, and these are the kind of games why I became a PlayStation fan. This is why I gravitated so strongly towards PlayStation that we really don't get from them very often anymore. And I wish, and I, I think I said this in our Discord, I wish PlayStation had three studios of Pixel Opus's size, and we got a game like this every year. 
a concrete genie yeah. some other really artsy game the next year you know and then you know after that is piccolopus's turn after for year four i think that'd just be a really nice way to kind of fill out the catalog and what they have it's a good price the game's 30 dollars, so i think you can't go wrong there it is like i said short about six hours to play uh, but I think if you want to support independent or smaller developers, and if you want to, you know, have a story that's told with heart, and really, this is a game that is art. So if that's something that you're interested in, uh, I think giving Concrete Genie a try uh, could definitely be worth it. Makes it your top ten? Uh, if it it might, it probably would be in the five to ten range. Definitely not the one to yeah. you know the one to five. So probably in the six to ten. Um, but it's definitely up there. It is a game that when we do our favorite games of the year, I will at least yeah. be thinking about. So, okay, yeah. cool. All right, and that is what we've been playing on our television. So let's move on to topic of the show. So Josh, yeah, uh, Blizzard got in a bit of a <laughs> dust up last week when they suspended a Hearthstone pro after he voiced his support for the protest going on in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. So, this is reading a little bit from Kotaku. Chung Blitzchung Ningwai, a Hearthstone player from Hong Kong, ended the stream earlier this week with a statement of support for those engaged in a month-long protest against local police and government. As a result, Blizzard has ruled he violated competition rules and have handed out a heavy punishment. Uh, so, he was participating in the Asia-Pacific Grand Masters event, and he wore a mask and said, Liberate Hong Kong, Revolution Our Age. And as a result of that, uh, Blizzard suspended him for a year and took away all of his earnings, I think for the last year. Um, yeah, for, the, for this concurrent. For this concurrent. Like up to this yep. year. Yeah. And, t- yep. and took away all of his earnings. <clears throat> and... Suspended the two casters who were not had anything to do with it. They they fired those two guys. Yeah, I know. They got rid of the casters. Yeah. yeah so not suspended, fired. Fired. So they got got rid <clears throat> yeah. of that. So obviously there's been some pretty significant backlash to Blizzard. Uh, because they thought that, you know, a lot of people felt that Blizzard's actions were quick, severe, um, and that there's so much backlash that Blizzard had to change their subreddit to private for a while. Um, they've had casters who were supposed to um, announce or be the casters for the Hearthstone tournament at BlizzCon say they weren't going to do it. Uh, coaches from the Overwatch League have been voicing their displeasure and then got in trouble for it. Uh, college Hearthstone teams have been protesting. Folks who are fans of Blizzard games have been canceling pre-orders, especially for like Call of Duty, since that's going to be launching. Um, you know, on their launcher and Blizzard eventually walked back some of their decisions. Um, but this really only seems to have further incensed already angry fans because, you know, the idea was that when they did this, they did this because of Chinese investments in Activision Blizzard. Um, and basically Blizzard's like, no, that had nothing to do with it, which everyone's like, Oh, okay. So you're just jerks then I guess like, you know, what else could this be? Um, and we could debate all of this, the complexity of the investment of Chinese corporations in gaming. And there's a lot here we could discuss. We could discuss the geopolitical mm-hmm. situation in Hong Kong. But those are not things that Josh and I are experts in or, or really have the knowledge to talk about intent in an introspective and, and good way. So instead of talking about... Everything that's going on in Hong Kong and everything that's going on in China, I think it's important that we start talking about, really, as esports get bigger, Josh, hmm. how much freedom should esports competitors have 
in voicing their opinion. So obviously this is kind of this situation is the catalyst of what we're talking about. But in general, how much freedom should they have? And, you know, what responsibility or what type of guidelines should game publishers put in place for the people who are actively competing in their games? What, when you heard about all this stuff, kind of what, what are your initial thoughts on all of this? Well, first I would say it's notable for anyone interested in this story to, in, to, to look into what's going on in the NBA uh, yeah, right now as well. Absolutely. Uh, especially with the Houston Rockets. <clears throat> um, but like I said, that's more of a political comment, I think, if we get more into that. Right. But if you're interested in this, it's very important that you check that out. Uh, well, and as far as your question goes, as far as the future of esports and things like this, it's going to come down to contracts. What does your contract say? Mm-hmm. Because, hey, people might not like my sports teams, but I live in New England. Yeah. And the New England sports press destroys players who can't handle public speaking from the Red Sox to the Patriots to the Celtics. If you can't get into a press conference and and unfortunately have to listen to every question you don't want asked of you, you're going to leave or you're going to get fired because you said something wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's the problem with, well, and that's not the problem. That is how contracts work. Yep. You are an athlete, whether you're an esports athlete or, or a professional, um, I don't want to say professional athlete, whether you're an esports athlete or an ath- a sports athlete, right? you sign a contract and all these contracts have political uh, political and legal jargon that is way above my head however there are certain things you can do there are certain things you can say and there are certain things you can't do and can't say tom brady cannot go uh snowmobiling right ever as long as he's under contract right tom brady cannot speak ill of the new england patriots as long as he's under contract Maybe he sometimes <laughs> he sometimes does, uh, but like there's there's specific things in your contract you can't do, and and for for sports athletes there's a lot of physical restrictions right. that you can't do, and for esports athletes I'm not sure, but I'm I'm sure you have to log a certain amount of training time and things like that. Uh, it gets real messy when we get into what the problem is now though, because what the problem is now, and I know it's coming up in your potential questions but what we're running what we're going to run into is freedom of speech and what that means because people i don't think people understand what freedom of speech means as far as implications go. right for sure because we can sit here right now we have the freedom of speech to say whatever we want however that does not mean there's there aren't repercussions to what we say right Freedom of speech does not equal freedom from responsibility or freedom from repercussions. Right. And what and it's hard to talk about freedom of speech and not get into politics. Mm-hmm. Um and and our country is prime for that right yeah, now. Yeah, it is. Uh there's so many things I shouldn't say because it's everything's triggering. This is what I would say. This and the NBA thing. I'm going to put this into 
um, real life terms for me. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the people I work with, regardless of their political leanings, seem to not care that we owe China billions, trillions of dollars. <laughs> we do owe them a lot of money, it's true. <laughs> you know, and they say, it doesn't matter because they're never going to get our money and they know that and they need our money to survive. That's what some people say. Mm-hmm. I think this situation and the NBA and other situations are a prime example of just how important China is to the United States of America. Oh, for sure. And unfortunately, it comes down to money, not ethics. So here is a bit from the, or kind of the section of the 2019 Hearthstone Grandmaster Official Competition Rules. It says, quote, engaging in any act that, in Blizzard's sole discretion, brings you into public disrepute, offends a portion or group of the public, or otherwise damages Blizzard's image will result in removal from Grandmasters and reduction of the player's prize total to zero U.S. dollars, in addition to other remedies which may be provided for under the Handbook and Blizzard website terms. So, that is what the rules say. So then... They were totally within their rights to do what they did, right? I guess totally yeah. cool. Well, it's not cool, but they were within <laughs> their rights. Uh, and and I can also use for me a real world experience. Uh, my our contract, uh, the custodial contract for this the city of Worcester states that uh, employee sick time abuse is under their uh, idea of abuse. There's no, like, if you're out this many days, Mm -hmm. if this happens, there's none of that. Literally, the political jargon is if the city of Worcester deems you are abusing sick time. That that could mean one day. Uh, Okay. It could mean, you know what I mean? Like, So when Blizzard says what their idea of this is, you don't even have to read the rest of that because they now... You have signed a contract that literally says they get to decide what that factor is. Right. I think that that needs to change in contracts. Right. It needs, you can't, it would be like Donnie puts out a, like a contract for all, for the PlayStation Video Games Network. Mm -hmm. And Donnie says, I have the, PSVG has the right to suspend or terminate any PlayStation Video Games member um, who violates the play some video games um, uh, human resources policy right. or freedom of speech policy, which they can just call that, yep. that if they want to. And that's all it has to say. Yeah. So if you come on here and say, what? Donnie loves Nintendo and he's so biased and he hates us because we don't like Breath of the Wild, boom, we could be fired yep. and we can't sue him. Because we signed that contract. <laughs> I know it's not as extreme, right. but when when Blizzard is so generic, mm-hmm. when any company mm-hmm. is so generic about a rule they put into a contract, it is willfully put there. Right. So they can decide what is right and what is wrong. So do you think that, does a company like Blizzard or Activision or Riot or, you know, and I think... Tim Sweeney from Epic, you know, kind of 
said that this would never happen to a Fortnite player, that he wouldn't allow it to happen. You know, do they have obligations to ensure their players are able to speak freely on potentially controversial issues? Yeah, if that's what they want. So that's the problem. Okay. If they don't want that, then that's what they do. You would think, uh, like, morally, mm-hmm. you would think, yes, let them, you should let someone say what they want to say. Right. Because why is Blizzard right about Hong Kong and that streamer is wrong about Hong Kong? Right. Who makes the decision on who's saying what is right or wrong? Well, but they didn't, and the important, like in their wording, it doesn't say that they're right or wrong. It just says offend a portion of our (laughs) fan base or bring us into disrepute. Sure. You know, the implication. It doesn't say that that person was (laughs) right or wrong. It just says some people aren't going to agree with what you're saying about, and we don't like that. Because those people. We also live in a country. By that. We also live in a country where people uh, are, are more free to say how they feel. True, and there's a lot of other countries in the world where uh, you have capital punishment mm-hmm. for ser- saying things. Or, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot worse um, situations. And we're we're talking about a dictator, a company that uh, a company, <laughs> a country that is run by a dictatorship. And we, you just have to live in the news to know the countries that run that way and what it's like, right? So you have to be aware of that. I don't know that people, myself included, really knew how deep this rabbit hole was and and that the fact that I'm talking about esports in China at work to right. no, for 40 sure. plus year old union workers. Yeah. <laughs> it it's it's hitting home for a lot of people because it, it this Directly fights against our ideals as our country. Right. About your freedom of speech, you're saying. Yeah. Our freedom of speech or the fact that it's not just freedom of speech. It's like uh, caring for, like providing for your family. It's imagining going to work and saying something wrong and losing your income. Right. But that can still happen in this country. It's not like that isn't a possibility here, too. Yeah, but they can't take all your wages you earned this year, Kyle. That's true. You made that money. You paid your bills. <laughs> That's true. That is like different. This, I would agree there. If this guy spent his winnings, he has to pay them back. Right. Well, not anymore. I don't think he does. Well, not anymore. But <laughs> the, but when it first came out, imagine you won $150,000. Right. And now you can't compete for a year. Where are you going to make that right. money? No, for sure. For sure. So, I agree. The the taking the money back part, it, it seems pretty... Uh, I don't even, I, Egregious. Yeah, that part is really <laughs> bad. Really, really bad. But I think that is kind of, you know, the, the hard part is that, you know, almost no matter where you work, even if your contract isn't as explicit, you know, you yeah. could go to work and say the wrong thing and get fired. That's a thing that could sure. happen. Sure. And in fact, it probably doesn't happen to enough people. <laughs> No, Josh is going I, the other I way. say that at work for working with people who say things that they shouldn't say and don't get fired for it. Right. And that's the hard part, right? That how do you balance how do you balance ensuring that people have the ability to say what they believe, but also ensuring that, you know, you're blizzard, you put out a product 
or if it's a different game, you know, you put out XYZ product and this person who is. But this person doesn't work for Blizzard. Well, true, but they signed an agreement with Blizzard. They signed an agreement by participating in this in this competition, sure. right? Rele- release him. Just they release kind of him. <laughs> well, they kind of, yeah. yeah, they kind of did. I mean, the Patriots just released Antonio Brown yeah. because what he was doing was contrary to what he said he was doing. Right. You know, and and they might sign him again, which is frustrating to some of us people over here. Um, but when you, if you gonna, if we have like, I don't know, Kyle, because like, I wholeheartedly agree that what Blizzard do was well within their rights. Yeah. Because of their contract. Yes. But as a human being, I do not agree with anything that they did. Oh, I agree. And I'm in the same boat as you. I agree they had every <laughs> right to do what they did. I think it's really yeah. cruddy they did what they did. You know, like So you you need to know what you're signing up for. Right. I think that's an old adage that we've heard since we were kids. Mm-hmm. Like you need to know what you're signing up for. And we I think the biggest thing that no one's addressing is would this person have still done what they did knowing that they would be fired because if that's true we need to be giving this guy a lot more credit i I think he had to have an inkling that he might get in trouble right i so he so the story should be praise for him not like eliminate blizzard from the equation stop giving them press talk about this guy who went out of his way who risked his career to stand for people who are not don't have a voice right now. Do you want to hear something interesting? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Jane, who is an assistant coach for the Dallas Fuel, general manager of Team Canada for Overwatch. The Dallas Fuel, they are the um, oil people? The Dallas Fuel. Uh, I mean, apparently. <laughs> but anyway, so he, like I said, assistant coach for the Dallas Fuel, he tweeted out on his personal Twitter account that he was uh, appalled, basically, by the actions of Blizzard and that yeah. he he stands with this Hearthstone player and that they needed to um, basically redo or take back what their decision was, right? Not long after that, that tweet went out. That tweet got deleted. Oh, no. Yeah, so... <laughs> and when asked about it, he all Jane said is, I was asked to take the tweet down. Okay, now it's important to sure. understand, he's not, he's not an employee of blizzard or overwatch he's an employee of uh team envy who is the owner of the dallas fuel who then has purchased for 20 million dollars or whatever they had to play (laughs) the ability to play in the overwatch league right so here's the thing so jane tweets this out probably potentially knowing he's going to be asked to take it down who knows right well now here's the interesting thing is that if you go read you know reddit or anything like that they're saying oh yeah Jane did this just to get the p- good publicity off of it without any ramifications. That he did this not because he truly supported this person, but because he would get the good press from being like, oh, yeah, I support him, and then slap on the wrist for having to take it down. So it's really just a marketing stunt. Isn't that bad publicity? Well, he but he's saying because a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, we support you and we agree with you. Sure. You know, and all of that. But then you took it down. <laughs> well, right, because he was told he had to by his employer probably, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, so if you make the story, oh, look at this person who risked their job to speak out against atrocities, 
unfortunately, in this day and age, you're going to have a whole bunch of people who are like, yeah, they're just doing it for the publicity. They don't actually believe that. You know what I'm saying? Sure. So that's yes. what I think is hard about this is that it's challenging to make the story about what he talked about. And I will say, even if you go to PSVG's Discord, the amount of conversation that's happening in there about Hong Kong, China, extradition, all of those things that have never been talked about in our Discord before, much higher because of the situation. He There was a really good conversation yeah. in general chat about yeah, it. Yeah, he has definitely brought um, attention to this issue that was not there as much before, 100%. So... From that perspective, he, he has done some good. Um, what do you think BlizzCon's going to be like? It's going to be a mess. <laughs> you, do, you, do you remember last BlizzCon? There wasn't even any political discourse, and it was a mess. Right. It's going to be terrible. Right. They might as well. I wouldn't be surprised if they canceled it. <laughs> I actually kind of was wondering if they were going to. They might, because they're not in. They're not looking great in anyone's rearview right now well the hard thing is they have so many tournaments that are supposed to be happening there that i guess you could still do those tournaments but just not have quote-unquote blizzcon but then those protests are uh, yeah but then those you protests, could, they could cancel all their panels right yeah but those protests though could still theoretically like the overwatch world cup is happening at blizzcon <clears throat> no and they have to reveal a new overwatch character and they have to <laughs> they have to cover diablo immortal <laughs> uh <laughs> They might scrub that one. Yeah, maybe. Uh, they have to. <laughs> uh, th- there's plenty of stuff they have to do, but yeah, um, um, they're taking a lot of heat, and I think rightly so. And, yeah. And as a company, they also have to. If you're an individual willing to take on this heat, you also, as a company, need to be prepared. Right. To face what's coming for you, and and you know what, if. You have people that aren't going to play your games. I guarantee you no company has ever worried about a boycott as much as the boycott thinks the company worries about a boycott. Yeah. So, like, we're going to boycott oh, Blizzard. And then uh, say they get 100,000 signatures. All those people, they think they're doing awesome work and Blizzard's terrified and Blizzard's going to be in them. We only have 100,000 people on that signature. We're fine. <laughs> yeah. Let's talk a hundred million, and then we'll start worrying. I mean, I have seen people that uh, who have been either lifelong or since it came out, you know, WoW players and stuff who are canceling their WoW accounts as a result of this. Good for them. I think that's awesome. You got to stand for something. And this is going to then transition perfectly to my next question for you. What's the ex- appropriate way, whether it be Blizzard or any company? Uh, what's the appropriate way to for fans to express their disagreement if a company oversteps? What What do you do? Well, that's a the the thing is, it that you have to you have to decide the measurement of your decision. Mm-hmm. Meaning, is it going from zero, to, which is doing nothing, to I don't know, let's say on a ten scale, to five, which is signing a petition, to ten, which is never buying a game, uh, from Blizzard until they change, because mm-hmm. like. Never buying, even if it's not Blizzard, never buying a game from any company ever again. That's a hundred on a ten scale, because you want the company to change. So you need to be willing to let the company change. So the te- that ten is, if the company changes, I'll consider coming back. Mm-hmm. That's the that's the the best way to express your disagreement as far as 
what you say you'll do. Right. I couldn't tell you necessarily the best way to make Blizzard pay attention to us. Right. Um, there's people out there who know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have the resources to figure that out. Um, there's a show that I was very fond of called Jericho that was on ABC a long, long time ago. And it got canceled. And all the fans sent... I want to say it was Peanuts was popular for the show. They sent thousands and thousands of Peanuts to ABC to try to get the show renewed, and it did get renewed. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a way to voice your disagreement. And somebody with a severe peanut allergy had a bad day at work. Yeah, they killed killed 15 people at ABC Studios headquarters in L.A. (laughs) because they opened the wrong package. Peanuts! (laughs) But, but I, I, you know, I don't want to sit here and say I know the appropriate way, but that's just the way I imagine would be the best way to do that. Yeah. So how many people do you think who work at Blizzard had a hand or a say in the decision to when the suspension was handed out? Less than five. How many people do you think <laughs> of, if you think of all the people who work at Blizzard, if you boycott Blizzard and don't buy any of their products, how long until one of those five people is impacted by your boycott? How many other people are going to lose their job Ugh. first? I guess it depends on the the success of the boycott. And if it's a successful boycott, yeah, immediately. People will lose their jobs. Yeah, but you don't think Jay Allen Brack is losing his job anytime soon? Oh, no. No no one in corporate is going to right. lose their job. So it's, and, they don't, and they don't care. So probably the people who also disagree with the decision that work at Blizzard in right produ- in, you know in any area as far as making games go are probably going to lose their job before but is that a reason to not boycott i don't know if because then so here's my- we would never boycott anything if we were worried about the low man on the totem pole losing their job right but so that's that's the question then though right if yeah. let's say okay we don't think that this is appropriate for blizzard to have done this okay that this yeah. is not okay we don't. We want them to change their policies. We want it to make sure that they ensure freedom of speech for all of their players who play competitively their games. Okay, that's our. Sure. That's what we want. So we're going to boycott Blizzard products until that happens. Yes. How many people? What is the threshold? You're okay with the number of people losing their jobs until Blizzard folds. Let's say that. 250 people lose their jobs because no one's buying Blizzard products, and the Blizzard says, okay, that's fine. We support you. Is that number the number we're okay with, 250? Is 300 the number we're okay with? You get what I'm saying? I do. Can I make it more horrible? Yeah. Do you have an iPhone? I do. Do you know how many people kill themselves oh, making iPhones? Oh, I absolutely know. And it is... But we don't... But it's not the topic of the discussion because people are so mortified by... So if you knew mm-hmm. that you boycotted an iPhone and it saved a life, would you not buy an iPhone? If you told me that... <laughs> me, like, if you told me that, Kyle... Not you specifically. I mean, in, I don't want... I'm not trying to put a life on no, your I'm hands. You know, I mean, if you told me, people. If you told me... That if, when I upgrade my phone, if I don't buy an iPhone and as a result one less person will commit suicide, I absolutely would not buy an iPhone next time. Sure, 100%. and I hope 100% of the population would agree <laughs> right. with you, but the, prob- but the problem is that's not what's put in the forefront when you buy an iPhone. Correct. So when we look at, 
like I think someone losing their job from working for Blizzard because Blizzard made a bad decision, mm-hmm. them losing their job oh. is the least worst thing that could happen to them. I mean, maybe. I just, I just think there's so much there's so much worse out there. Sure. That I don't want to see anyone lose their job. I really don't. <laughs> unless unless they they are themselves doing something to lose their job right. where they deserve Correct. it. Correct. So if I think you're a CEO for Blizzard and I'm a new employee mm-hmm. or I've been there for five, ten years and I lose my job because you decided you want to stifle a freedom of speech for competitors that don't even work for you, will I be upset? Yeah. Of course I would. But there's a whole other world out there. There is. We're way, and I know I went the furthest extreme, but we're way worse things are happening to other people. So me personally, I don't really feel bad if people lose their job at Blizzard because unfortunately they signed also a contract with mm-hmm. Blizzard. And Blizzard can do whatever the heck they want. They can. Unfortunately. And and so can Apple. Yep. And so can Microsoft. Yep. I'm not just blaming Apple for people killing themselves over making product, right. but that's the news story. Yeah, it's, it's uh, definitely not just I don't know that there's any that nets outside the Microsoft factory. building catching people. <laughs> yeah, it's not just iPhones that are assembled at that building, but uh, that right. factory. But right, right. No, and I agree, but that's what you, that's what the story always, is. Always, yeah, because like, it's the most popular the thing. From. Yep. Um, it's... It's horrible mm-hmm. for that to happen to anyone. Yeah. Both both situations. You don't want I don't want anyone to lose their job because it's your livelihood. Yeah. If you can't bring home a paycheck and support your children, yeah. that is the worst feeling in the world. Mm-hmm. So but but here's the problem. <laughs> Blizzard is an entity that doesn't feel guilt. No, it does not. Because it's just a name. Corporations are people, my friend. Right. And it's <laughs> It genuinely depresses me. It really, and maybe that says something about me. More specifically, that I equivalent the Apple thing to the Blizzard thing. No, I don't think it's bad. And at where all. where I where I have to draw my line. Imagine we felt. Imagine me and you. We felt sympathy for everyone in the freaking world i i i hear what you're saying i do and this is you have there has to be a point where you have to let that go oh for sure and uh, this is part of the reason why i never get anything done is because i have thought experiments like this with myself all the time and i never get anywhere but you know i it's one of those things where personally i do the best i can when i can i buy locally when i go to places i go to a local grocery store i go to a local hardware store i go to the farmer's market i do those things to try to support the peoples in my community as best i can you're right i have an iphone absolutely you know is there a cost to having that but i also had an iphone i want to make sure i know i know i know (laughs) you know and i think that's always the hard thing though is like i said i do these mental gymnastics all the time of what is the cost we are willing to play as a society to improve especially if i'm not actually the person who has to pay the price so what price am i okay with other people having to pay for the for society to get better it's really easy yeah. to say oh i'm going to boycott this because there's really no impact on me there right i'm just not going to have this you, thing you I kinda feel want. good about it yeah. as a boycotter but but yeah i don't i don't know that it ever has ever really 
shown any like significant results. Right. And there might be situations that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head that where boycotts definitely improved overall conditions for people. And in those situations, great. But I think a lot of the time we do <laughs> I don't want to get into the whole, you know, idea of slacktivism and all of those things, right? It's the thing that is like the <laughs> yeah. least amount of work I need to do to make myself feel good about myself. Um right. but I do think, you know, when it comes to these situations is would boycotting, which is like we hear talked about all the time now as a result of this, would boycotting Blizzard get the result we are looking for? Is that the way to um ensure whatever it is we want to ensure we don't i don't even know if people really know what they want i think is the hard thing because what's the answer yeah that people can say whatever they want and we're cool with it is it that okay right. you can it's okay for you to respond but maybe be a little less heavy-handed about it uh what what is what is the you can respond but only if it doesn't look like it directly benefits your business interests like what what are we what do we want what what is the answer we're looking for here yeah, it's it's some it's mucky. I think with the China thing, it's it's more uh, reflective on human rights. Oh, than absolutely. Any, like than other things that may be boycott related. Mm -hmm. uh, Agreed. So, which is why maybe it's so divisive right now, where people are getting so up in arms. I think the best thing that can come from a boycott, not the best thing. I think what comes from a boycott is your message to whoever you're boycotting. For sure. And then it's up to them to decide what they want to do uh which is why like when i said i don't think boycotts have ever been like remarkably successful i don't mean that nothing has ever changed i just don't think that the numbers of a boycott have ever reached the goal of a boycott yeah yeah and it's interesting because you know the whole idea of voting with your wallet is important you should definitely yeah you know support products and places and things that align with your values or the things that you care about as best you can. Um, that is the thing you should absolutely do. The thing that's really hard um, is that you don't always know where all that money goes, you know? So it's sometimes challenging to, uh, which is why I do try to buy local when I can, because I at least know I'm investing back in my economy and, and the people who are here. And that's not necessarily a political statement. That's just, I <laughs> like my neighbors, you know? Yeah. So huh. any final words you want to have about, uh, Esports, freedom of speech, gamers, all of those things, what we should or shouldn't do. I think what I would say is this. I don't expect anyone to 100% agree with anything I've said, and, mm -hmm. and, I, and I'm okay with that. I think one of the questions you asked was, like, what are the obligations for companies? I think the obligations for us and the people listening is you put in the amount of research you think is – important and then you make a decision based on how much you've looked into it and if you don't look into any of this i don't think that that's necessarily a terrible thing right for you um because we all want to live our lives mm -hmm. and the, unfortunately and and fortunately the truth of the matter is until something directly affects us and i'm talking about us as like you singular self or family a lot of people myself included don't always look into things right and sometimes it's easier to live life that way because you can't worry about everyone at all times because then your life would be miserable <laughs> so sometimes you have to be a little selfish 
you need to decide where that line is for yeah, you. Yeah, absolutely. And when this stuff is put in our face, that's where we're we're forced to decide if we want to care with the information we have, mm-hmm. if we want to look into it more, or if we want to ignore it. Right. And that's everyone's decision. And I would never uh, intentionally tell someone a, a way to feel on that. Right. So, so I'm not gonna. Uh, I don't want to sit here and and tell someone how to to feel about this. If you feel like you want to look up what's going on between Hong Kong and China, do it and and take a look mm-hmm. and then make your own decision. Um, but unfortunately, we live in a time where you can't take other people's word for things because there's so much misinformation out there right. that you really have to do some work to find out the truth for anything. Absolutely. So decide if that's important to you. That's what I would say. Yeah, it is interesting because uh, last week I recommended um, Rotten Season 2 on Netflix as our yeah. as our um, well-rounded life. And it's funny because watching that show, I'm like, wow, I should never drink bottled water again. I should never eat avocados again. <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of things that – there's just a lot of cruddy things that happen in the world. You know, uh, avocados like have totally – the same thing that happens with drug cartels happens with avocados that there are entire cities <laughs> that are run by cartels that control avocados and that's why we have avocados in this country you know year-round avocados in this country um Yikes. you know so it's, it's things like that that it's challenging because i darn it i really like guacamole it's so good i eat guacamole <laughs> all the time you know uh, but it's thinking then about okay are there better ways i can do this can i grow my own avocados is that a thing i can do uh, yes. Not in November, October, November, December in Iowa. I can't. But maybe other times I can. We'll see. All right. So we're going to move on to some quick uh, listener questions. Josh, why don't you take us through the, the one very kind listener question we have this week? All right. So Haley at Shepherd Zor L, our newest member of Listen Video Game, one of our newest, one of our two new members, who's co host, co, not co. One of the hosts yeah. of the PlayStation Experience podcast uh, asks, "How y'all doing?" And I believe Haley's from Canada, and I didn't know yeah. that y'all was very popular in Canada. Yeah. But sure, uh, I'm doing great. Thanks for asking, Haley. How are you? <laughs> I'm also doing quite well. I enjoy having rousing, wonderful conversations with Josh. So I'm doing great. Doing absolutely Good. great. All right, so thanks for asking, Haley, and dear listener. I highly encourage you to check out the new, the relaunch of PSXP, uh, which should be hitting your, your airways Wednesday this week. Uh, so please go ahead and check that out. Uh, Josh, why don't you say we kind of get towards the end of the show here, and what recommendation do you have for our dear listeners for a well-rounded life? Mine's going to be quick and easy, and it is, last week my recommendation was hereditary. Yes. This week is, we're still in October, <clears throat> if you're not a horror movie, scarier movie person, I encourage you to try a new horror or scary movie. Just open up one of your streaming services and check something out. If you are a horror person, watch something new. We're in October. This is what the one month where it's really encouraged to <clears throat> either step out of your comfort zone or watch something uh, that you haven't seen yet. So I say watch a scary movie. All right, Josh, my recommendation for a well-rounded life this week is to trust your friends. And with that, I'm going to ask you for some assistance. I've created a list of movies that I want to watch or have missed and need to get back to or saw part of whatever and just have never gotten around to fully sitting down and watching. 
Um, the list is pretty extensive, but I have just taken a small part of it. I'm going to list off some movies. You are going to tell me which movie I'm going to watch next, and then perhaps it will be my well-rounded life recommendation next week, okay? Nice. So here are the movies, and if you haven't seen them, totally fine. Just go through the ones you have seen. Okay, so should I watch Brick, Layer Cake, Short Term 12, The Squid and the Whale, Winter's Bone, Eighth Grade, We Need to Talk About Kevin, or Prospect? Oh, my. Um... Brick is an excellent movie. It's been a long time since I've seen yeah. it. Layer Cake, if you like Guy Ritchie movies, you need to see Layer Cake. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I've only heard great things about 8th Grade, but I have not watched it mm-hmm. yet. And I haven't seen the other Okay, ones. so of Brick, Layer Cake, or 8th Grade, which one are you telling me I need to watch before next week? Do you like Guy Ritchie films? Yeah, I do. Like, then watch Layer okay. Cake. Okay, Layer Cake I shall watch. Trust your friends, everyone. Josh has, has given me my recommendation. Let's see if it's good enough to be my recommend uh, to be my well-rounded life recommendation next week. Josh, what do you say we wrap this show up? Great idea. Thanks for joining us, everyone. In addition to finding us on Twitter and Instagram at Board with VG, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash board with VG. So feel free to give us a five-star rating over there. <clears throat> I took a break and then I, re- I just regretted it right away. <laughs> Also, if you want to communicate in more long form or you're just not feeling social media, please feel free to email us at boardwithvg at gmail.com. We tag all our stuff with that hashtag boardwithvg, so please feel free to use that hashtag as well on all your social media. And whatever podcast service you're listening to us on, whether it's the PSVG feed, the Dice Tower Network feed, or our very own standalone Board with VG feed, we encourage you to give us a stellar rating. You can find me at Why So Serious, S I R R I U S, on Xbox Live and PlayStation Network. Kyle, tell all of our listeners where they can find you. So you can find me at all of the usual places Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, uh, Xbox Live, Board Game Geek. There we go. All at Psychocross, C Y C O C R O S S. As always, if you have suggestions for future topics, be sure to reach out to us on the social media because we want to talk about what you want to hear about. And remember, everyone, whether it be board games or video games, never stop gaming.